This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, Dundee grind out vital win against Ackies. And no shock as Mulgrew joins United coaching staff. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams. World Cup special and all that, that's why we're all in the middle of Dundee. I'm Tom Duffy. Podding alongside me today is a man with a connection to the World Cup, Alan Temple. Hello. A man with no connection to anything that involves a trophy, Graham Finnan. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> and George Cran, who, at least Queen of the South, won't get relegated this month. Uh, thanks. <laughs> that's all I can think of, George. Hello. I don't want to just say George Cran. Yeah, that's okay. Anyway. To continue the World Cup theme, I've got an apology to start off with this week. Last week's edition, I did say the opening game of the World Cup between Ecuador and Qatar was nobody versus almost nobody. Well, I want to apologise to Ecuador because they look a half-decent team and I want to apologise to nobodies everywhere, myself included, because <laughs> Qatar, Qatar have no status as a football team. But enough, George Dundee. They're the big talking point in world football now. Another win. They're eyeing the top. So they, sh- so they should be. It's now the top division in Scotland at the moment. So everyone should be taking notes of the championship because it's as mad as ever. And Dundee are looking pretty good at the moment. That's three wins on the spin. Good thing, I, what I liked about Saturday, although it wasn't the best watch, was that they didn't play particularly well and they rode a luck at times. The goalie had to be good. The two posts had to be good to them as well. But they got the win and they got a clean sheet. And in the championship, that takes you a long, long way. And it, it, it can prove the difference between getting stuck in the playoffs and, and going up automatically. So I, th- I think they're looking really good. Injuries are starting to bite a wee bit. There's quite a few of them at the moment. Um, but they do have a cast of thousands. Well, that's the thing. The, the squad's come to the fore now because obviously we've seen Sean Bond get his chance and, and it's taken it really well. Uh, glad to see him back in. Um, we even saw Finn Robertson at the weekend, which we haven't seen a lot of in a long time. Um, so it was good to see him back in the pitch. And yeah, you can see every te- there's a lot of teams coming to the end or Dundee playing away and the other teams are struggling to fill their, their bench. Or maybe I think Morton had four subs and no goalies. Dundee ended up having two goalies on their bench at the weekend just to kind of fill up the numbers. But Is that just to keep them both happy? <laughs> I, I think they were maybe or less unhappy. A man short in terms of the full nine, and I just stuck the goalie on just as a a backup's backup. But the team they're putting in the park is still pretty good. And Bear, they, they, they disappointed you the previous week against Ray Rovers because by your own admission, they actually played well in getting what looked a run-of-the-mill win, but this time did they live up to your expectation and make it a boring 1-0? It was a different win. I think it was an important win, and, and it was a grinding win, shall we say, Tom. Um, you know, he obviously changed it a wee bit. He brought in Sully and Sheridan, and uh, Zach Robinson played up top alongside him, but it didn't really didn't really work out. And it wasn't the free flowing football and, and chance creating football that we saw against Wraith. But but they saw it out, you know, Hamilton at the bottom of that league, and it shows you how tough it can be, you know, that championship that Hamilton were able to put on a performance like that. Because on another day, certainly Hamilton probably could have felt that they deserved to take something from the game. George says that they hit both posts in the second half with one shot. The same shot. You know, but I've got to say, Tom... Oh, well, that doesn't count, as uh, it? Oh. Yeah, I've got to say... <laughs> I've got to say <laughs> what one go- Yeah, what goes around comes around. I mean, and Zach Robinson did exactly the same against Wraith Rovers the previous Saturday, hitting both posts with one shot. So, you know, we're done. They didn't get the luck that day. They got the luck against Hamilton. And I was, I was glad to see that... It, you know, Gary Boyer and, and uh, a few of the players pointed out that it was the defensive performance was magnificent. I think players were putting their bodies on the line. The keeper played his part in that. But there was solid... But solid you always get a solid performance from Cammy Kerr. But the others alongside them, I thought that, uh, you know, Lee Ashcroft, Sweeney, magnificent, and Jordan McGee playing a role yeah. as well, sweeping up at the back as well, were absolutely outstanding. Outstanding. And, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, clean sheets... I'll get you out of that division. That's how Dundee got out eventually through the playoffs the last time they were in that league. And it was great to see them. It was a different sort of win, but I'm sure Gary Boyer 
um, would have been just as pleased, if not more pleased, to see that they've got that in their locker now because they've got a big month coming up where they're going to have to go, they're going to have to go Inverness, they're going to have to go down to air, and they're going to get games like that where they're going to have to be solid to get anything from that games. But they've got themselves right back on track now. You see that they're, you know, they're right at the top. They're a point behind Air United. Um, we've got a wee break this week with, with a cup tie. We might see a few, a few uh, players get a run against Airdrie. Although I wouldn't like to, to take a gamble and. You know, I know it's a cup and you want to maybe freshen things up a bit, but I wouldn't like to take the gamble and, and get a poor result and lose a bit of momentum, Tom, because I've got that going in their favour as well. Just quickly on Finn Robertson, it's good to see he got a run. I thought it was Josh Mulligan that was actually coming on yeah. at that point in time. But good to see that Gary Boyer trusted him to They're go. They're out of any more than 10 yards away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was good to see Gary Boyer trusted him to come on. It wasn't as if the game was won. It was, you know, there was seven or eight minutes yeah. to go. They had yeah. to see it out. And Finn Robertson's that sort of... He's different than Josh Morgan. Josh Morgan will run with the ball. Finn Robertson will keep the ball. And he did that. Mm -hmm. He did that well. And, and, and I saw the game out quite well. Apart from maybe a wee slip at the end with, <laughs> when uh, Ashcroft played the ball back to the goalkeeper. You would expect him to just punt up the park. But as so often happens, Tams and stop his time, the keeper slips and everybody's oh. got their heart <laughs> in their mouth for about 30 Sense seconds. Sense of drama. But he gets himself back out and uh, back up and toe bashes it away. But nah. A good three points, different three points, but, you know, another good win for Dundee. And Alan, I mean, Bear said there, people were putting bodies on their line. Well, we've, we've seen in the World Cup so far what lesser teams can achieve when they've got the right attitude. If you've got the best squad in a division, which it's fair to say Dundee have, and players have that attitude, it's a good recipe for success, isn't it? Yeah, the desire to maintain that clean sheet was absolutely fantastic to see. I think there's been a lot of coverage and rightly so for Ian Lawler's wonder save mm -hmm. uh, that he made. But even in the moments immediately after that wonder save, is it Sweeney that Sweeney. throws his head? <laughs> he knows he's getting kicked in the head. Absolutely. And, yeah. Sweeney basically says, I'm willing to take a stud in my face <laughs> to stop you from scoring a goal. That's brilliant Can to I see. Jump in here, Alan? I, I seem to remember a derby match last season, a similar sort of situation <laughs> when Nicky Clark yeah. was about to put in the winner for Dundee United and he did exactly the same thing when the tackled, ball was on the ground. Tackled with his head. With his head. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember yeah. that? And I think it's <laughs> and a need <laughs> I think it's become something of a sort of a gif and a meme. The remember when John, John Terry, Terry was on, on yeah. the ground and like he basically just sort of flopped like and fish, threw yeah. his head in front of a ball. I mean, it's like that. It's that absolute desire of you are not scoring a goal, and it's absolutely fantastic to see. And it's great to see Ian Lawler making that save as mm. well because I don't think there's a more fascinating goalkeeping situation I don't think there's a more fascinating goalkeeping city than Dundee that's for sure <laughs> but in, in terms of in terms of Dundee's situation we sat here at the beginning of the season and discussed who gets the gloves is it Legston's mm. is it Harry Sharp and at that point Ian Lawler wasn't even in the conversation let's let's be pretty honest I mean and he's come in and he, like all goalkeepers do, you know, you try to block out the noise, but he'll know that he was probably at one point considered third choice. Fans maybe are doubtful about his quality. And he's come in and he's really proved a point and that takes broad shoulders and it takes ability. And yeah, I'm delighted for him. And in terms of that battle for the gloves now, I mean, it's just absolutely fascinating. And I know that I tend to shrug it off when managers say, you know, I've got two number ones and, and you say, oh, come on, really, you, <laughs> no, you, you know, don't, yeah, exactly. Don't both play. Exactly. It's like, really, you know who your number one is. But in terms of Dundee, it's all season. It just seems to have been a... They've just been taking a turn, really, because yeah. they've all had a go and none of them have really done much wrong to drop mm -hmm. out the team. Uh, injuries and illness have kind of popped up and given somebody a chance. And then it's a case of... I think Gary Boyer's said it quite a few times about different players. If if you've got the shot, then it's up to you to keep it. And it, it seems that way. Ian Lawler has two clean sheets in a row. I think they're unbeaten this season since he's played the last five games. Um, I went back through his whole Dundee career, which isn't a long one. He hasn't played that many games, but he's only lost three games as a Dundee player. Huh? One was against Rangers, one was against Celtic. And one was a 4-0 home defeat against Livingston, but we'll maybe not mention that too much. But... Mm. Um, so as much as yeah. fans maybe weren't How many games was that though, George? How many games did he played four? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it I think it was eighteen, yeah. I think. So and that was a lot of them were for a pretty poor Dundee team last season. Yeah. Um, fair comment, George, mm -hmm. but let's not dwell on that. Yeah. And it, to be fair, he didn't have his best games last season either, I think. No, he looked a bit made shaky, mistakes and fair. stuff. But this season he looks very confident. 
That, to be fair, Saturday was the busiest he's been by a long way in, in this recent run. Um, the defence had kind of protected him pretty well in the last few games, but he came up with the big saves. Um, he made a good save in the second half mm-hmm. as well from, from a corner. But no, he's, he speaks really confidently as well and he looks confident on the pitch. So it's, it's great for Dundee. I mean, how do you keep them all happy though? That's Sorry, George, I was just sniggering there because I always spoke really confidently. <laughs> I was hopeless in every <laughs> position I played. <laughs> I know that's the difference. It's, if you're that, but if you reach a le- level of hopelessness, you might as well be confident because you know what you're going to do every week. <laughs> it is well, interesting what you say in terms of keeping them all happy as well, and it's not just keeping them all happy. It's at some point in the championship and with the financial realities that are affecting every single club. Do you also maybe at some point think is it worth having Legstons and Lawler on? Well, you've what got would the emergency be, loan, don't you? What would be senior goalkeeper uh-huh. wages? Mm-hmm. Uh, surely most clubs would tend to go senior number one yeah. and then a young talent like, say, a Harry Sharp. And as, as Tam says, if anything happens beyond that, you've got your emergency loan. It just it seems like a, almost an embarrassment of riches when you've got Lawler and yeah. Legstons at a club that for the moment is in the championship. And so it's an interesting yeah. one. All three are out of contract as well. Yeah, at the end of the season, which, to be fair, most of the time it's always farming in Dens, isn't it? <laughs> Bear, who do, did, is the big beneficiary? If you look at the sort of bigger picture, maybe Young Sharp because he's getting his chance every couple of months or so, and he, but he's working with two experienced goalkeepers, and they're not they're not relying on him. Hmm. You know, he doesn't have to play. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. He's, he's done really well. You know, he came in at the start of the season and people were pretty unsure about him. He's a young lad. He's, he's learning his way. He does look shaky with the ball at his feet at times, but that will come, that will improve. He's a terrific keeper. There's mm. no doubt about that. And he's got real potential, Tam. And we're talking about the three keepers and, and you know, what's Gary Boyer's thinking going to be? If it was me, I'd keep the two experienced ones. I'd try and get Sharp out, out on loan. I think he's got to play. He's at the stage yeah. of his career where he has <laughs> to play to improve his lot rather than rather than stand still, you know, and and maybe not get the benefit of uh, playing reserve games isn't quite the same as playing competitive matches either in the championship or well, won't be in the championship, but maybe a League One or League Two club where he's going to be involved in, you know, either a, a top of the table push or maybe a relegation battle, something that something that gets him, you know, real game time. He needs to do that, and I think that would be the way for me. Certainly, I'd be thinking about getting, you know. You know, him out on loan, but then again, you just don't know if, if Gary Boyer, as we've spoken about, he's got two senior keepers there on senior wages, and he's looking and saying, I can maybe get a player in here for somebody that's on yeah. senior wages, it could go the other way. But yeah, it's, it's it's a real sort of you know, it's a strange one this season where they've all benefited from game time, but it's only it's a good situation for the manager to be in. And all you could do, Tom, is play the man that's, that's got, got yeah. the gloves at this point in time and is doing well. So it's at this point in time, it's seeing Lawler and you know. Hopefully that continues because mm-hmm. you want if he's doing well then the team tend to be doing well also you know so I know I mean no offense to the other two it's, it's about who's there just now but in an ideal world you don't change your keeper because that's no. a sign the team's doing well no absolutely and I would go with the back four as well Tom and and maybe we're we're starting to see that Alan we're, we're starting to see we've spoken about this on previous podcasts through through the last few months when Dundee would play good one week or good for part of a game, yeah. and they're not so good through the other part of games, and it would cost them. And we looked at the, the, the lineups, and the lineups would change mm. from week to week, three and four changes. Now, maybe Gary Boyer is finally, finally, and that's, this is down to the players as well. The players have got to be consistent to, to keep themselves in the jazz, and they've got to stay fit as well, but we're starting to see a bit of consistency of selection, and that, that's helping performances as well, because even when they didn't play so good on Saturday... They were able to grind out, grind out the performance, um, and get the result, which in the championship is vital. Also mentioned uh, Zach Rodden, who came on in, in the second half. Always on about substitutes, having to make an impact. Down, hmm. came on, did really well up front. Got Could, an assist, didn't he? Created the goal, created the goal. I mean, Dundee, the week, the week prior, they were getting overloads in midfield and getting plenty of chances, balls down the line. But the goal they got on Saturday was slightly different. I think it was played square to. Um, ben Williamson, Williamson and yeah. he's just launched a long one and caught caught the Hamilton defence sleeping a wee bit and Zach's got in behind wide to be fair but he's got a man on him he's dropped his shoulder and went by him like a winger great ball into the box just put it in an area and, and, and wee McMullen's come running and it's a tap in effectively because he's taking the keeper and everything out of play but yeah good for Zach Rodden he did well and uh, that's what you're looking for because 
the, Zach Robinson didn't have his best game, which can only be expected. He's not going to mm-hmm. play well every week, and it didn't really work for Sully and Sheridan the mm-hmm. way they were, they were playing him. So, uh, yeah, good good for Zach Robinson. It'll be interesting to see if, if he gets a start on Saturday. And we're actually we're dwelling on the defence and the goalkeeper because we're being modest because not only has Gary Boyer bowed to the pressure, the relentless <laughs> pressure of this podcast to play Sean Byrne, he's now admitted something that even we've not gone so far as to say Burns magnificent. <laughs> Burn the magnificent. Well, there was very much. Are talking. we going to get part of the promotion bonus? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're speaking to Sean Byrne last week uh, for the the preview for for the weekend game and. It was really interesting chat. They spoke really well about the kind of situation he was in and basically getting his head down and working through it. But he's also gone gone through a lot of really tough stuff off the pitch. He's, he's, his grand's severely ill with cancer and she brought him and his brothers up. So there's all sorts of other stuff yeah. going on off the pitch that he's had to deal with. Um, and basically Gary Boyer was praising his character for getting through all that but still going in and, and doing his job really well and training and then taking his chance when it's come along because it he has had to be pretty patient and it for a player in Burns situation I'm sure he must have thought I'm never getting back in here no mm-hmm. matter what I do but Joe Grayson picked up a knock came off the pitch and it, he got his chance so it, it's kind of a, a contrast to maybe the situation that Nell McGinn's had this season that I, I don't think the manager appreciated the way maybe Nell McGinn reacted to being dropped or, or being told that he could he I could move on or whatever um, but Bond has shown how, how you do it and how you can still have a future at the club and kind of fight your way back so all power to him uh, inter- interesting to see what happens actually this weekend with the cup game how many changes the manager makes is, it, is that a lesson though you're talking about Burnley is that a lesson for others at the club who maybe find themselves struggling to get game time you know, you, you, the worst thing you can do is down tools and, and not, exactly. not yeah. bother in training, not do your best in reserve games. Sean Byrne came out and spoke to the telly and said, what the, it was there, I was going to try to prove the manager wrong. That was his biggest incentive. And that's what players have got to do. And that, that could rub off on, on the younger guys, I would suggest, who are maybe out of the picture and are maybe a, a wee bit down. Yeah. Have you worked hard in training? And as Alan's rightly said, in this championship, you're always going to get, there's so many games We've seen it in the past. A big squad can quickly be whittled down to sort of 12, 13 players. Mm-hmm. You know, so you will get your opportunity. It's when you get that opportunity, you've got to grasp it with both hands, as we've seen with Sean Burnley. And well. it's not like you can go anywhere either. No. Outside the transfer window. So basically, yeah. once the transfer window shut and they, there wasn't a move for him that he could accept, then either you just sit in your bum for six months and don't play at all. That's why or, it was delighted when the manager turned to, to, to Robin. Uh, we found Robertson on, on uh, yeah. Saturday because it wasn't just a case Tom it wasn't just a case I've no forgotten about you I'll, I'll stick you on in the last 10 minutes and give you a run it was a vital period in the game Dundee yeah. were under yeah. the course he wasn't just, he wasn't just putting him on there just for, to give him 10 minutes I, I know what you can do go, here. go do it yeah. Yeah. I always remember um, across the road at Tannery Sean Dillon used to say to me because Sean had periods where he was sort of in and out of the team, uh, United legend that he, he is, but he always said, my job's to be ready to play. The manager picks the team, That's it's not my job to pick the team, my yeah. job's to be ready to play, and whether I'm picked or not, I have to be in exactly the same condition, and that's to give 90 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever the manager wants of me. And in fairness, I think that attitude, and obviously that it's shared by Byrne, is an attitude, and apparently Finn Robertson as well. Modern players are very good at that. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got that. You, I mean, Dundee've got. Sort of, I mean, we are talking about Dundee. It's a different level, and even if you know things don't work for, out for you at Dundee, Gary Boyer. If, if somebody comes to Gary Boyer and says, "You know, you've not been playing Finn Robertson," we'd quite like him. What sort of attitude has that guy got? Gary yeah. Boyer will be honest with another yeah. manager. Yeah, a lot of managers like Gary Boyer are of an age where they'll know other managers yeah. well. And let's be honest, most players throughout their career, unless your name's Kami Kerr, are going to be moving from club to club to club over that. Over the, they'll have various clubs. So managers are going to speak. So players get reputation for either being, mm-hmm. this yeah. guy's got a terrific attitude or a bad attitude. Now it's up to a manager to decide if he's got a bad attitude, 
can I actually change that and work with this guy? He's got the he's, we've seen he's got ability in the past. Can I work with him and, and try and do it? And some managers will I try that, you know, until they're blue in the face and something that doesn't come off. But it's always good if a manager's got good good words to say about you and your your career will be expanded throughout that. Yeah, Alan Beer makes a good point there, particularly with the January transfer window coming up, because managers want to sign players in that month who are oven ready, as it were. Absolutely. It's all about a player's mentality and it's also about a player's sense of perspective because it can probably get quite easy to become narrow and focused on the next game. I'm not going to be in the team at the weekend. I'm not going to be in the team at the weekend. But you need to think forward and you're thinking to January, you're thinking, am I going to get a chance Mm -hmm. to impress at some point and perhaps get a move or what happens beyond that? And although every player wants to play every minute of every game, it's 2022. It's a it's a squad game now. There, yeah. there needs to be that sense of perspective that I might not be in the starting lineup, and that's a blow. But there will be rotation. There will be substitutions. There will be, you know, pretty much everyone in their uncle gets on the bench these days. Yeah. You know, with it, you know, it's it's a squad I'm game. I'm hoping to so. get a chance this season. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we saw your goal at the football. <laughs> you're you're coming get me, play. <laughs> but you know, it's uh, so having that perspective is. Probably not the easiest thing. However, it's a vital thing. And if you can train yourself to have that right attitude or you just happen to have that attitude, then that's going to put you in a, in a really mm. good footing for staying mentally strong and being ready to take any opportunity that comes to you. And quite clearly, someone like a Sean Burnham evidently appears from last weekend Finn Robertson you know, has that, have mm. that quality. Or, or you can go and moan to Piers Morgan instead. Exactly. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking that I... Most players have to wait until January. Others have got mates <laughs> in the media. Yeah. We've, when, when I say got mates in the media, I don't mean us. We're not <laughs> going to get you a November move, anybody out there that wants to do, do the big interview. Briefly, George, another news. D for life can't back camper down move until issues over Danes. Yeah, it's kind of harking back to the the usual issue of communication I think from the top at Dundee that, to be fair to what the, the staff at the club there they've worked really hard on, on that speaking to fans and getting information out there but at the moment we're waiting for John Nelms to say something uh, there's supposed to be a, a milestone happening soon uh, I understand that's buying back Dens Park um, my initial understanding was it was to happen earlier this month, but there's been no indication that it has. And it's, once foot, the, it's football. They're allowed to give three or four delays before <laughs> that happens. And I, I down. My understanding is John Nelms will come out and speak after that happens. Um, but obviously, it's, there's a void, so people are going to fill it with concerns and, and, and things like that. It's something that I don't think they kind of Nelms and Dundee owners appreciate sometimes that if you don't say something, then somebody else will. So we're just we're just waiting for me to defend Dundee because it's not it's not something I, I do often. But it is, it is November. They're, I mean, the earliest they can move to another ground is <laughs> next July. Yeah. So are the fans being a wee bit impatient or a wee bit you know hasty and panicking? I'm, I'm not so sure. I think it's just a case of the concerns are That's why growing. Defend, when defend them, you just shoot me down. <laughs> <laughs> I think after... I think all it takes yeah. is to come out and say, yeah. I stand by what I've said before. It's such a vital it's, issue as well that yeah. there will be paranoia and there'll be fear. And when you're a club that's been in administration twice in very recent exactly, memory, yeah. it's, it's a fan base that quite rightly will edge towards caution in terms of how things have been run and how things are going forward. So... While I get, I get Tam's point, I can also totally understand that there would be concern and you'd err on the side of caution because although it's a different context this time, you've kind of vaguely been in this movie before, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Aye. It's, it, it's strange. I mean, on your point there, Alan, at the very least, it could come out and say, we're going to say something soon. And and then that helps. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're saying nothing, but you're yeah. at least showing awareness. The other thing, Bear, is perception's a funny thing because... And I'm exactly the same as I'm like, oh, I, don't, I, I, I don't like the idea of them buying back dens and selling it and ground sharing somewhere else because then they don't have a permanent home. Yeah. But the fact is, for 
several years now. They've not owned their own home. Anyway, no. so uh, technically nothing's changed. But it's funny when it's not you. It's the stadium where you belong. Yeah, yeah, and it is an emotive issue. There's, there's no doubt about that, Tom. And, and people get sort of uptight about the whole thing. And you know, it, it would be nice if Dundee would come out. We're going to say something soon. But have Dundee ever come out and say we're going to say something <laughs> no. soon? They just come out and say it when when they're ready to say it. And they often say they're going to do something soon yeah. with the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess the the issue yeah. is D for life, and George is obviously dealing with them. You know. Uh, but I guess they're not asking for the club to come out and speak to the press or speak to the wider. I, I guess they just want a dialogue with the club. Yeah. I guess the frustration comes from the fact that they can't get a dialogue with the club and I kind of understand the club's perspective. The club will probably be fearful that if they have private com conversations with people within that group, maybe that gets out and mm. blah, blah, blah. All these you know tales as old as time in terms of paranoia and, and, and things like that. But yeah, I guess the, they're not wanting the club to come out and because it would be weird if the club came out and said <laughs> a statement that said we'll say something in a month but they want a communication with the club that you know they want they want to have a dialogue the same yeah. way that the DUSF have a good dialogue with Dundee United for example mm -hmm. I guess they want to be a fans group that has an open line of communication with the club and evidently that line of communication isn't quite there yet no but to, to try again to praise Dundee, George, 15 <laughs> quid to get into the Scottish Cup tie. That's good. Against Airdrie. Well done, particularly yeah. the time where, as I know myself, have you tried watching four matches in one day? It is actually <laughs> quite difficult. I've tried to do that and work, which oh. the, uh, hasn't gone too well. But That's a dirty word, George. <laughs> it helped that our website went down for a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> but you had a pair of scissors, George, and a cut wire next yeah. day. No, it's good. Because it is, I mean... It's great for you in particular, George. You you putting the paper away at night there that the championships and lower leagues are ongoing because it gives you the local stories that we always lust after. But for punters in general, there's good reason not to go and pay to yeah, see a football match exactly. just now because there's there's plenty of World Cup action on. No, fifteen quid's pretty good, and I think concessions are five or. Kids under 12 are £2 if they're bought with an adult. Oh, so they can, they can buy a paper or go on the website <laughs> to find out that kind no, of No, but I was deal. just going to say, so maybe a parent with two kids can get into dens for less than 20 quid. That's pretty good. That is actually, well, good, so, good point well made. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> Enough free advertising. <laughs> right. Dundee United. Alan, perhaps the... One of the most obvious career moves in Scottish football, Charlie Mulgrew's gone into uh, coaching after his United appointment with the first team. Smart move, and as I say, an obvious one for a thinking footballer. Yeah, I think it's definitely a trajectory that he wanted to go into. I think when he arrived at Dundee United, I think the club were firmly aware that he had coaching aspirations. He was already doing his badges. He's... Um, he's done elements of those uh, coaching badges while working at Dundee United and uh, you know certain studies and all that sort of stuff that you need to do. So he is ticking along very nicely in terms of being fully qualified. He's got vast experience. He was, he was and is a massive voice uh, in the dressing room. I think we've discussed before that under Tam Courts and uh, Liam Fox last season, there was a, a healthy back and forth and dialogue with the senior players in terms of what was working, what wasn't working, what they were comfortable with. And people can sometimes get the wrong idea with that, um, but th that's the way it was and it worked exceptionally well last season. So Charlie's been a big voice. He's got his coaching badges. I don't expect, well, obviously it will change in the sense that he can help to shape sessions and be a, a more official voice, but he was already a, a big personality in, in that changing room. And it'd be fascinating to see... Um, how his journey goes. I think Dundee United are clearly a club that have um, promoted from within, whether that's academy, whether that's managerial. And I think it probably wouldn't be the most outrageous thing in the world to say in the fullness of time, one way or the other, Charlie could very well be a Dundee United manager in the making. So um, it'd be fascinating to see how he does. And yeah, I can understand it. You know, it's a funny one. It's a, it gets obviously a talking point because you'll get a lot of fans that say, oh, we would have liked someone with a bit more experience. We would have liked maybe a fresh voice. And 
I, I do get that instinct, but it is a third man on the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to know who these vastly experienced, successful coaches that yeah. are out there Football's and are willing. Changed so much. You go and you go and find a guy in his late fifties, early sixties that you think, well, there's a good old, and he's looking at the game, going, I don't remember it being like that. And also, why is he coming to Dundee United to be the third man on the training ground? Yeah. It's just, mm. it's it's silly. You know, the the guy that was doing that role was. Adam Asgar last season, a young up-and-coming coach with some fresh ideas. That's what Charlie Mulgrew will do. Now, in terms of an experienced voice that's come in from outside, you have Stevie Crawford there. Now, he's... Who is experienced. Who is vastly experienced. He's managed whether, granted, you know, not been in the top flight for a while, but Dunfermline are a big club with huge pressures. He's been through a lot as a manager, so you do have an experienced, fresh voice in there. So... I think the makeup of the coaching team is nicely balanced and um, the proof will ultimately be in the pudding. I love it when we all talk about coaches and, you, and everyone always says, oh, I gather he's a highly rated coach or he's got real potential. We're not players. We've never been coached no. by the guys. You know, the bottom line is all you can go is what you hear. And he is a, a, a very studious and serious coaching prospect and the players all respect him. So... Um, from that point onwards, that's all you can really say, and we'll see how it all pans out from there. Because let's be honest, none of us right. actually know what it's like no to be coached by any exactly. of these guys, you know. Yeah, Bear was just thinking they are articulate, intelligent, skillful. Now I know why you never went into management. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, oh. exactly. Cheap shot, cheap shot. <laughs> It'll be interesting for Charlie. It's, it's another uh, move in his career. I mean, certainly what, what we know, I mean, What's he going to be like as a coach? We, we don't really know, but we know what he's done as a player term. Yep. His CV stands up there. You know, Scotland International, played for Old Firm, played for Dundee United, played down south. So he's got a vast, vast array of experience on the playing side. And that he can pass on. There's no doubt about that. To the senior players, to the junior players more so coming through. And, and you know, in situations that he's found himself in. And, you know, just, you know, it, it doesn't have to be just about football term. It could be through difficult times, through injury. Yeah. Players that are struggling that aren't getting a game at this point in time, you know, players that maybe just just aren't getting a game because they're out the manager's plans. He'll have experienced it all, and he can pass that on, and that could be invaluable for Dun United. For Charlie Mulgrew itself, I'll be interested to see how how he feels now because suddenly you're no longer part of the the, the change room squad. He's part of both squads, he's, and he's going into the backroom team now as well. And I'm, it's a it's a different type of pressure, Tom, because he's going to feel it as well. I've done the United aren't doing too well. He's not right in the forefront like like yeah. Liam Fox and Stevie Crawford, but he's part of that. He's part of the you know people will start looking and saying, well, what what are you doing to improve this? Because that's what the mm-hmm. fans will be thinking. You're in there as well now. What are you doing to improve this side? A team that's at the bottom of the league and has desperately struggled in the first half of the season. So that's that's something that he is going to experience now that he's not experienced before. But you know, he's he, I mean, as a player, he's taken everything that's that, that's going in front of him and it's stride time so yeah, I would expect nothing less and I think it's a good appointment for Dundee United I was speaking to someone for a, a piece that will go out next week that was in a you know, pretty senior role at United last season and he spoke glowingly about Charlie Mulgrew's influence in the dressing room as a person and particularly as Bear alluded to there uh, with the young players mm-hmm. Lewis Nielsen and Ross Graham in particular said you know, in terms of one-to-one work with those players, it was absolutely unparalleled. He might not have been an official coach at that point in time, but the progress that you saw in those players, hugely down to him. And I think there'll be an element of that as well. You know, Liam Fox and Stevie Crawford are more than capable of running sessions and and piecing together a training uh, schedule, whereas Charlie can maybe dip in, do bits and bobs, put his, uh, you know, tuppence worth in, but also a bit of one-to-one stuff. Another yeah. body on that training ground who can do one-to-one interpersonal coaching, which is so important now. And I think that'll be an exciting aspect of it. I don't expect him to be too hands-on in terms of picking the team because at that point, you then actually do get into a wee bit of, does that become awkward? What if Charlie's not playing that well and he, and he wants to start? <laughs> you know, things like that. So, But in terms of that one-to-one stuff, I think he could be a, a really, really important aspect to the coaching team. And, even I was over in Spain with Dundee United earlier this season and Charlie was sat out a couple of the games and sweltering heat. It was The whole place was uncovered, so those, the subs that weren't playing, they were kind of huddled in this little <laughs> shelter. Charlie was up on this hill in the absolute baking heat with his wee notepad 
taking down absolutely everything, just studying the game, studying everything. And he's done that. Any game he's not played, he's up just in front of the press box mm. and the crowd, um, taking notes. And he is, a, you know, this isn't a, a jobs for the boy stuff. Charlie is a very, very serious coach, clearly. Um, really interested in the game and thinks about the game. And um, whether he'll be a success, who knows. However, what you can say is he seems to be doing everything to give himself the best chance to be a success. That's funny. I mean, I I remember him as a kid at United on loan. Gordon Chisholm brought mm, him up from yeah. Celtic, and he he was fine. He was good, but he was he was a typical young player, and and I, he was like a lot of young defenders from the old firm who were having to learn to defend almost <laughs> yeah, because they yeah. hadn't had to yeah. do that at youth level for their for their parent club. But he he was a young player looking after himself basically, which is absolutely as it should be and then I saw him at various points in his career and saw him emerging a guy who was all he always struck me as a leader without being a huge shouter and stuff even for Scotland because good enough to play for Scotland but you would never put him in your top 10 list of international players but whatever the situation the game he always struck me as someone who was willing to take the ball willing to take responsibility and augurs well and it really is no surprise George that he's become a coach no, but the, we see the way he speaks when he's doing interviews on, on TV or has been a pundit or, or whatever. I always think communication is such a major thing for a coach or a manager and it, he seems like he, he's very good on that front. Um, getting across that experience that Bear's talking about to the younger players, I, I think that'll be... He looks looks ready-made for that, to be honest. Um, and it also feeds into United's recent history of wanting to develop their own coaches. I think it, it's very much going, as you mentioned, not going out and getting a 50, 60-year-old coach. It, it's develop your own and try and build them through. We've seen Tam Courts. We'll have to be honest, well beyond football, it, it is a thing now. Yeah. That in the current economic climate, that if you can promote... Just like you want to promote your own players yeah. and build, uh, develop your own players, you want to develop your own coaches. I think it's a really smart way to, to go about things. And we've seen they're not afraid to give people a chance. So you can see how the move to United in the first place probably appealed to Charlie Mulgrew that yeah. he thought, here's my chance to get into coaching. And you never know, at some point down the line, Liam Fox has stepped up to be manager, Tam Court stepped up to be manager. There might be a possibility in a few years that we see Charlie Mulgrew as a manager. It's going to be fascinating for Alan's right when they're sitting in the team room on a Thursday or a Friday and they're, and they're, they're, they're <laughs> picking the team for the weekend and Charlie's sitting there <laughs> and his name's on the team. Uh, well, that's uh -huh. a conversation that's going to have to be had, isn't it? I always wonder. But I mean, it's another example of United. Some people are fans of it, some people aren't, but they've, they've got a structure uh, from top to bottom, which is why, Alan, you've been speaking to their academy chief. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, he was uh, Paul Gowie was appointed uh, last month, but just this week was the uh, first time we've had the, the chance to sit down and, and speak to him. It was really, really enjoyable. Another, um, much like Andy Goldie, his predecessor, another very um, eloquent, <laughs> verbose talker. He had big ambitions, um, and uh, he's come through. I think three or four years ago, he joined the club as a a part-time coach and he's worked his way through the ranks um, he's really impressed people at both the Scottish FA and Dundee United with just a sheer work ethic and desire to to learn and really interesting journey I mean I, I will use this to cross-reference and shamelessly plug stuff you can find in the into and uh, Thursdays um, even Telegraph and, and online done a whole profile on him and emerged through at Ross County and was a big big talent big talent he um, was considered if not on a if not better, certainly on a par with his younger brother Don, who went on to play for Cardiff, Watford, Scotland. Uh, so considered a really big talent, but fell awkwardly, knee exploded, tail as old as time, mm -hmm. you know. And and from that point onwards, you know, when he played semi-professional, travelled the world, worked for eleven years in Singapore, all the while, you know, doing bits and bobs of coaching and 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 nursing that dream of once again getting back into football. So it's um it's been a circuitous journey and a really interesting one he's an interesting guy to speak to and 
Um, I'm fascinated to see how you know how how he gets on in the role because make absolutely no mistake, it's a big role. It's a big old role. I was going it's to so, say so important to this club. Bear pressure job. I mean, referring to rage again, bear. We know it is one of the pressure jobs, and maybe people don't realise uh, that out with this area, but. Dundee United now for 40 years have been producing top, mm-hmm. top young players. So if you're in charge of the young players, you've got to produce. Yeah, I think that at the end of, you know, a year, two years, you will be getting pulled in and saying, well, you know, who's who's come through, who's done yep. well, Who who's not... sell for 10 yeah, million? Yeah, exactly. But here, you're absolutely ah, right. That's business. That's what the fans expect. That is good business. And you see it, you see it down in England as well. The top clubs, that's what they do. A lot of these guys that they sign up as kids, they'll not get anywhere near their first team. But if they can sell them on for a high six-figure sum or even seven-figure sum, then whoever's in the academy is doing their biz- is doing their job properly and it's good business. And that's what that's what Paul's going to have to to bring to Dundee United. I think the difficulty he's got uh, that I can see is under uh, Tam Courts there was a steady stream of young players getting their opportunity at first team level for one reason or another. Tam Liam Fox seems a bit more reluctant to do that for obvious reasons and, and going into the second half of the season is it going to be a place for plucking guys untested out the yeah. academy and giving them game time you know I think that's, that's going to be a difficult one for them so it could be the next six months could be a wee bit of a struggle you know to see these guys coming through but at the same time he's got to work a way to make sure that if they do get called on as, as we've spoken yeah. about earlier they've got to be ready to go into that team You actually mentioned Tam Courts there sad sort of see headlines this week that one of the reasons he left Hungary was racism although not entirely a surprise that that should be a problem because Hungary's had its issues over the last few years yeah I think it said all that Tam basically said it was the second incident involving the, the, the club in his short time there and I mean, he was only that he was only there for a matter of months. Mm. So if if that's happening twice, and I think the 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 subtext of of what he said is perhaps maybe the club wasn't dealing with it quite as um, vociferously as uh, as he would have liked. I and seem, I seem to remember the stuff last season as well. Yeah, I saw a headline. They seem to say the words, but yeah. there's no action. And given uh, and given, um, you know, to, Tam's obviously made a, a a visible stance against racism over in Scotland, and and what was a um, a, a very well-meaning gesture, albeit in hindsight it turned out that what happened wasn't exactly what Tam and, and Jean Dufoux thought had happened, but uh, in terms of what was proved. So uh, he's very outspoken on this, he's very passionate about this, and it's an, it's an earnest, it's an, you know, it's an earnest thing from Tam. It's not, he's not putting on a, a front, it's something he's very passionate about. So um, I don't doubt that there was an element of uh, feeling that perhaps the club's um, hierarchy and the club's fan base certainly didn't quite align with his own thoughts uh, and beliefs and he's not an idiot he would have known that these are things that afflict hung- Hungary as a nation I'm not even just talking about football uh, as a nation so he would have known that going over there but um, I guess he thought perhaps um, it would maybe be tackled more strongly than it, than it was and at some point I guess it becomes harder to sit back but um, one way or the other it was decided that uh, um, he should leave and mm-hmm. uh, there's probably also footballing aspects of it but what I, what I would say is I think um, in the fullness of time we can look back and say Tam did, he did alright over there mm-hmm. like he, you know yeah. it wasn't he didn't take over it's also an honest lad isn't he yeah. so when he says that you know he's not just making excuses yeah but he, he didn't he took over a club that uh, weren't didn't do well last season and also have that weight of expectation on their shoulder that they should be doing a lot better and they were building up a bit of momentum. He was he left the club after a really good two 0 away win. Um, so he he did he did okay, and especially considering he didn't probably wouldn't have known a lot about Hungarian football going over there and and things like that. So he's gone he's gone over. He's done fine. You would call it maybe about par in terms of the job that he did over there, and he'll have learnt so much from that experience. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does next because I don't think he's. He's not torched his reputation. I think he'll be able to go into interviews and say, look what I did with Dundee United, fantastic, look where they are now. And I've uh, you know, experienced something that a lot of coaches would never experience over in Hungary. So uh, I think that makes him very hireable, uh, as with his, his age um, and 
the fact that I'm sure, you know, I can imagine the interviews very well known in one time and haven't spoken to him a few times. So um, I'd be really, really curious to see where he ends up next. And I know he'll be, I know he'll be choosy. I can say that for a fact. Uh, he's, he's very keen to make sure the next challenge is, is the right one. And to finish on a brightish note, one of those young products of Dundee United that we were talking about earlier, Harry Suter, although France beat Australia com- very comfortably in the end, Harry Suter did his reputation no harm there. Yeah, and great to see. Great to see somebody from this neck of the... I say this neck of the woods because he was at Dundee United, obviously. Although, yeah, he is, he is yeah. having been born in yeah. Lawrence Kirk and yeah, his oh. brother's a Scottish international. We should add he's a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But no. His mum is a Australian. I think, you know, it's a great story for him because he has been, his career has been blighted with injury, Tom. You know, and it, you wonder where he could have been if he hadn't, you know. I think that was his first 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, quite, he only just came back bad. just before the World Cup. So, quite yeah. quite remarkable, and I, I know he'd be disappointed with, with the result, but his own performance was pretty solid, and, uh, you know, he's... He always he was had, a standout yeah, at the back for them, he's wasn't always, he? He was the main man. Yeah, he always had the stature, especially, to go and play at, you know, down in England, he was always a bit bigger than, than John anyway, but, you know, it just shows you what, if doors open up for you and, and you take them and you've got uh, the right attitude, how, you, how far right you can stage, get in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And so good luck, Dan. Hopefully they'll do a wee bit better in the, in the next two games. Well, and Alan, now, I, I thought Aziz Behich played quite well yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you shut up a minute, I was going to say, <laughs> and Alan, I, I thought Aziz Behich, when I saw down belly race past him in the first five minutes, I thought, I'm sure Alan said poor Bech, better wing back than full back, but he start, he did he did what he could, but he he was uh, he did he had a decent game. Snap. I just But I thought he was exactly, gonna get beat two th- or three times by Dembele, th- wasn't he? I thought the exact same thing after forty six <laughs> seconds. I thought, oh god, because it wasn't I would have cried if I was him. It, it wasn't his fault. He was left one on one with Usman <laughs> Dembele. And I was just thinking, Oh, this doesn't look like a team well set up to protect Aziz. But uh, do you know what he, he came on to he came on to a game if Jackson Irvin's header is three inches to the right. Yeah. He has notched a brilliant assist in the World mm, Cup. Uh-huh. So he had a good game, cleared one off the line from Griezmann. And yeah, he was beat a couple of times. He's beaten the air for one of the goals. But in terms of defending stoically in the face of the challenge that Australia had, because Australia weren't set up defensively. Mm. You know, they weren't set up to... Um, they, I watched Japan against Germany, for example, the other day, and they were well. What did I tell you about Australian teams? It's cost their league. There's no <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. attack all yeah. the time, yeah. home and away. I'll, I'll, you know that Japan performance really solid in the first half, then came out and then counter attack, and it was very intelligent, very well played performance. The Aussies went for uh, it. So the fullbacks, uh, I, f- I felt sorry for poor Natty Atkinson, who we, uh, you know, I know a wee bit, obviously, down at, down at Hearts. And he was similarly exposed, yeah. and he was exposed on the side that had Killian Mbappe yeah. on it. I, so, I, I was wondering, you know, I, 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 fullback's one of my very many failed positions, and I used to think, oh, I wonder if this lad can play on both sides, and I'll switch him and I'll <laughs> exactly. get a rest. But when Mbappe's on the other side, you're going, please don't switch. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was just, uh, it was one of those that you're uh, my, I mean maybe you'll you'll appreciate this then as I feel fullback my first thought when a fullback's having a torrid time is who's helping you know yeah. is, it, is it really his fault and I thought for both fullbacks they had really testing evenings and I don't think it was entirely their fault but I thought Aziz maybe stood up to his challenge slightly better and, and he can look back on a, on, a, on an okay night yeah I, th- th- right. I thought he did quite well even at 4-1 he's battering he I think I, they, they battered the big there's a key at the back and, and one or yeah. thrown. But uh, going into the, the game. best fullback in the world. If you've got someone on the pace and yeah. somebody like mm-hmm. Dembele, at times in the game, they are going to mm-hmm. run past you. There's nothing you can do about that other than bring them down. In I terms don't. of fitness as well, the man's an absolute machine. I think it was about the 93rd minute that yeah. he was bombing mm. into yeah. the box and he had that oh, chance yeah, to cut it back. He just fell over though, yeah. didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no wonder it was 93 yeah, no. minutes in and he'd be chasing Dembele all night. <laughs> I, I, I did fear for him at the start as well. As on top of the Dembele thing, all the, the pre-match build-up was talking about how France against Australia in the last World Cup with an, a BH own goal. Yeah. I was like, oh, aye. Thanks very much, PBC. Yeah. Just chuck that in. I thought pressure's on him, but another, nothing did okay. I once mentioned Harry Suter. They mentioned that Betch was from uh, a Dundee United player. They mentioned Suter at Stoke. Never once mentioned he's from Lawrence Kirk. I know. No, he no. must be the first Lawrence Kirk man to play in the World Cup. Oh, oh. There's a thought. Mm. 
I have no idea. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully his brother will be the second in four yeah. years' shout, time. Tom. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Why not? Why not? Because you feel it more now that it's actually started. I was yeah. In the build-up, was a bit low-key the World Cup, but now the games are actually taking place. You, you know, you really miss your own country not being there. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, hey, I'm Canadian. <laughs> also, looking at <laughs> it, never been though. Also, looking at it. And, you know, perhaps this is the benefit of hindsight or wishful thinking, but I'm looking at some of these teams and thinking, we're better than them. Do you know uh, I mean? Oh, go I, back to the opening I, game. And I, I realise <laughs> I, I that, you know, you, everyone earns their place and the vagaries of qualifying from different sections maybe give other countries slight yeah. advantages or whatever. So not grudging any nation that's there, but you, I did find myself watching a couple of those stodgy nil-nils and even, yeah, Qatar and Iran and thinking ah right. oh, Saudi so. Arabia but saved not, the Asian yeah, Confederation yeah, yeah, didn't did. it because yeah, I, I was sitting watching Qatar and Iran saying I know Iran I think expected you, Iran at least Iran right. qualified yeah. but I, th yeah. I was looking at Qatar thinking yeah. you should probably take for all the other reasons it shouldn't be in Qatar you should probably take into account the standard yeah. of the national yeah. team you just, when you're handing out the World Cup. You wouldn't want to be the idiot that predicted that England wouldn't get out of the group <laughs> at this point. That's all I'll say. We never know. They might fall apart. But, uh, the, 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 talking about Scotland, the biggest disappointment for me was watching Wales because I didn't think they were very good against USA. And okay, well, I thought that the, the, the they one were, thing they showed was character, but I thought they, they were. But obviously, they came through our playoffs. That. That, that's yeah. such a disappointment that we kind of fell apart against Ukraine and then. Can't help thinking they'll, Wales might struggle now because I thought Bale and Ramsey mm -hmm. looked badly, badly lacking match yeah, for the yeah, See, yeah. Ramsey's only had two games yeah. at Nice as well, and you can't, Bale, can't keep yeah. that up forever. Yeah. The thing is, would you would you drop them? Though? No, no, you can't. Like, you can't. Bale, yeah. uh, Bale so, gave the ball away almost every time he got yeah. it, but then he won the penalty and scored the ah, penalty. He so. did something, but I thought I thought even more Ramsey really, who I, I've always liked. I always thought go back to their Euros things, what was very good for uh, Wales was everybody focused on Gareth Bale, but they had Ramsey and Joe Allen, who were very high standard mm -hmm. players. But Aye, They missed Allen in terms of yeah, controlling like, the game. I like his, the, yeah. the, positionally he's very good, but I think... I mean, dare I say, in terms of similarity, Dylan Levitt's probably the closest in that squad to a to a you know if if Joe Allen isn't playing I don't Ampadu isn't a Joe Allen type yeah. uh, Aaron Ramsey certainly isn't mm. in terms of uh, ball circulation yeah, and controlling yeah. a football match you, there's an argument that says that Dylan Levitt is actually the nearest thing they have to to a Joe Allen so it'd be interesting if, if Joe Allen doesn't regain full yeah, fitness whether right. maybe yeah. Dylan Levitt uh, might come into thought because sure. Rob Page is surely thinking we need to control the, the ball yeah. better because mm -hmm. as George rightly says it just kept coming back yeah. at them for, for long that, periods for, for all that the point puts them in a really good position they've got Iran next who've taken yeah. six in the first game if they can get three points there they're in they're, yeah they're, no they're, true they've got, they've got a foot in the, in, the, in the next stage well that's all we've got time for this week chaps and, which means unfortunately while Alan owned up to his England blunder I'm not owning up to my Argentina one <laughs> <laughs> If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>